Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, and isn't it unfortunate, but, you know, that is the case with the children of Israel, and it's also the same with us. We can get so blessed. God can be blessing us so much that we forget the blesser. We forget the, the giver, but we'll take the goods. We'll take the goods, the things that he gives us. We'll run with them, and we forget who it is that gave it to us. Pretty soon, the blessing becomes the thing that we're thankful for. The blessing is the thing that we hold up and say, thanks, but we're really honoring and, and, and glorifying the, the thing that he's given us rather than the giver of the gift. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues our study today by exploring how God lists his blessings on the nation of Israel as they went from Egypt to the Promised Land. Our God is gracious enough to remind us of his faithfulness so we continue to worship him daily. However, because of our natural man, we tend to forget those things God has blessed us with. As Pastor Rob teaches, we sometimes get so caught up in the blessings we have received, we forget to worship the supplier of those blessings. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy lists those blessings given to Israel, and the gospel documents the blessings we have received in Jesus Christ. Let's listen to today's lesson. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Let me just read it. Um, for the sake of time, he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Have you ever been rebuked by the Lord? The Lord says, You know what? You're going in the wrong direction. As he's spoken to your heart, sometimes he has to turn up the heat a little bit and he allows a circumstance to go wrong. And, and, and sometimes we're not listening and he's got to ante up the, the pressure. We're not listening, we're not listening. Finally he's got, what do I got to do here? You know. Then he allows you to get a flat tire. Now you're stopped on the road. Now you can't go anywhere. Sometimes he might even allow a sickness when you're going into a certain direction and you're headlong and you're headstrong. You're like, I'm going to go do this regardless, Lord. It's my will. And he's like, okay. You find yourself stranded on the road. You're not going anywhere. He has a way of doing it. But who the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If, if, you're God, if your father loves you, he's going to chasten you. If you haven't been chastened as a young child, you have every reason to believe that your parents didn't love you. But God loves you. 
But I can't say to my daughter, honey, I love you, if I let her do whatever she wants. If there's no rules and I just let her do whatever she wants. I'm, not, I'm, I'm appeasing her and she's probably saying, you know, daddy, you're the best daddy in the world. Why? Because I let you play with a bag of glass? Why? Because I let you play over the, um, the, the cottonmouth rattler's nest? Why? Because I let you play out in the street with your big wheel when cars are flying by at 70 miles an hour? Boy, I love you. Yeah, Dad, you're so cool. No, but no other dad will let, let us do that. That's because every other dad is more sane, right? A father who loves his child is not going to allow them to do such things. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Jesus said, don't be afraid of him who can just kill the body, but be afraid rather of the one who can not only kill the body, but can cast the soul into hell for eternity. Right? That's, that's forever. How short our life is. It is but a vapor, it says in the other parts of the word. And it says, For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seems best to them, but he for our profit. Even our, my, as a dad, my, my chastening of my daughter is imperfect. Because I can get frustrated, I can get angry, and I can, I can say something or, or do something maybe out of frustration, but God doesn't do it that way. He may allow some pain in my life, but he's not, he's not looking down just wanting to squash me like a bug. I told you so, you should have listened to me. You know, he's not like that. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father. He says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, notice, I love this, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We have to be trained by chastening to learn something. That's why we sometimes go over the same thing over and over again. That's why God is speaking to the children of Israel and reminding them again. Why does he have to remind them? Because guess what? He's been reminding them and reminding them, and he knows what they're going to do. They don't know that they're going to do it. But we're going to see that they get right into the mess after he's already told them, showed them. History is brought to life again. Remember back then? Remember back then when this happened? Remember? Don't do that. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. And what happens? They step in the mess again. (laughs) And it's just like us. We're no different than they. We're no different. In verse 6, back in Deuteronomy, he says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him, to have a reverence for him, to really fear him, to love him, and to be in awe of him, to just look at him with your mouth wide open and have your jaw hit the ground. Because guess what? The reality of who God is, if he were to manifest himself here tonight, each one of us, I'm, I'm not kidding, John had this experience, and so did Daniel, and so did other people in the Bible. They, they, they had a visitation by the Lord. And what happened? Were they standing up going, hey, what's up? High five. No, they fell on their face. They were inhaling dust <laughs> for the greatness and the glory and the love and the, the power. I mean, can you imagine being in front of a being like that? I mean, where it, your natural inclination is not to stand. When he shows up, the very natural inclination is to fall flat on your face like you're dead. That's what he did to Isaiah. And he had to reach down and say, lift him up. He goes, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. <laughs> and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. But isn't that awesome to think of that? I love to think of, of God like that because it brings a, a worship to me. You know, I think about his beauty and just the, 
the, the, the pristine, the, the, the fire, the, the white glow of his radiance is just so pure, so, so powerful, and so present. You just you can't help but fall on your face and just like, oh, I'm going to die if he comes any closer. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. And to think of, contrast that with the stuff that we're surrounded by. To contrast that when I look in the mirror in the morning and I see what a sinner, what a wretch I am. To know myself the way I do, and I don't even really know myself like he knows me. But yet he loves me, and he loves you. Because when he looks upon you, he no longer sees you in the flesh. He sees his son in you. And to me, that is really good news. And that's the way God sees you, perfected in Christ, seated in heavenly places. Isn't that what Paul tells us? To me, that's one of the greatest liberations for a person is to no longer be thinking of themselves anymore, to no longer be thinking about my failures or even my successes, to just think that I'm loved by God. I love that song, Good, Good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's what I am. What am I? I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm loved by you. To walk in his ways and to fear him. Verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. You know, when we were in Israel, I remember when, uh, you know, when we were up in the northern part in, the, in the, the, the area of Dan, up there close to the Syrian and Lebanon border, um, the headwaters of the river uh, of Dan are up there, and they all are tributaries going into the Jordan. And the Jordan River, as you know, descends down from the north, and it's being fed by Mount Hermon and some other springs. And then it finally gets down to the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful there. The water is nice and clean and fresh. And then it goes from there down to the Jordan again. It goes all the way down and is landlocked in the Dead Sea, where nothing lives. And so those beautiful waters, you know, God is telling them, I'm bringing you to a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs. Have you ever seen the, there's this really wonderful place called the Benias Spring. And it's up near um, Caesarea Philippi. And it's a, it's a stream where we believe that David wrote one of the, uh, one of the Psalms. And, and there it is, the water's just gushing out, you know. And it, it's beautiful, it's pristine. And then there's other things like, you know, as you go down further south in the southern part of Israel, you have the wadis. You're probably going, what is a wadi? Well, a wadi is what this is up on the screen. It is a valley or ravine that is dry for most of the year except during the rainy season. And you can see up here, you can see where the water is, has been coming down. You can actually see the current where it shaped the, 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 the soil. And so this is what they call a wadi. For the most part, it's just dry land. But during rainy season, these things are running with water. In fact, right down by Qumran and uh, En Gedi, a lot of those roads, I think it's Highway 90 that runs down the eastern shore of the Dead Sea where Qumran and En Gedi and Masada are. And a lot of that area, there's portions of it because there's mountains on both sides. And 90 goes like this. The, the Dead Sea is right here, and then you've got these really high mountains. And sometimes when it rains, it gets up there on the top, and it comes down through those crevices, through these wadis, and the water just rushes down. Sometimes it's at such an impact, it washes out the entire road, and they've got to go repair it. But that's what a wadi is. And so, you know, God is saying, I'm, I, I'm taking you into this place of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. 
Verse 8, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Everything is there for you. I've given it to you. It's the promised land. It's a good land that I give you. Notice what he says. When you are eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Wow, that's, that's a commandment, isn't it? When I have done this, then do this. When I have done this, then you do this. Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses, and now you dwell in them, And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and then, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You know, and isn't it unfortunate, but, you know, that is the case with the children of Israel, and it's also the same with us. We can get so blessed. God can be blessing us so much that we forget the blesser. We forget the, the giver, but we'll take the goods. We'll take the goods, the things that he gives us. We'll run with them, and we forget who it is that gave it to us. Pretty soon, the blessing becomes the thing that we're thankful for. The blessing is the thing that we hold up and say, thanks, but we're really honoring and, and, and glorifying the, the thing that he's given us rather than the giver of the gift. And see, we haven't learned anything, really, These things still happen. I find myself in my natural state. This is the natural state of man. God blesses, God blesses, God blesses. He blesses. You got every money in the bank, you got your health care, you got stuff, things are happening, things are good life. Don't even think about God then. And I'm not saying that maybe maybe you're not that way, but I know I have been that way. Even as a Christian, I can be unthankful, ungrateful. And we live in a, a culture that is so riff with this kind of stuff. Ungrateful, unthankful. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, at the very end of this book, Moses, before he passes away, he sings a song. He has a final song. And he says this in verse 15 of chapter 32. He says, But Jeshurun, Jeshurun is a, a, a name for Israel. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat and you grew thick. You are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. See, in their mind, they were sacrificing to an idol. To an idol. It could be a moon god. It could be a a fish god. It could be a god of something. And it could be a stone. And and you may think, well, they're not really worshiping a demon. Yes, there's a demon behind that entity. Because anything that keeps you from worshiping the one true and living God, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, anything that keeps you from worshiping him is demonic in its origin. It's demonic in its design to get you any, you know, the devil could care less about what you worship. Just don't worship him. Because either way, anything that you worship other than him, he's got you. And believe me, there are so many things that we can worship, right? So many things that we can uh, love and hold our attention and our affection. And see, that's where the devil gets everybody. Just, that's why he doesn't care whether you're a Mormon. He doesn't care whether you're a Jehovah's Witness. He doesn't care whether you're a Buddhist. He doesn't care if you're into Zoroastrianism. He doesn't care if you're of the Baha'i faith. Anything that you can do to keep you away from the one true faith 
which is his faith that he gives to you, (laughs) the faith of Jesus Christ, anything, the devil is happy because he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world, (laughs) right? Even in Hosea, chapter 13, verse 4 through 6, it says, Yet I am the Lord your God, and ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall... And you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. I knew you in the wilderness, he's speaking to the children of Israel, in the land of great drought. When you had pasture, they were filled, and they were filled, and their heart was exalted, and therefore they forgot me. That's what it says. And that's the same with us. We get so fat uh, spiritually or, or, or just fat in, in, in whatever way. We, we get filled with other things and all of a sudden we forget the God who gave it to us. I want to read to you a, an excerpt from um, a devotional by William MacDonald and it was the September 11, actually, from one day at a time. And I'm just going to read a portion of it to you because I thought it was so appropriate. He says this, We tend to look upon material prosperity as an undeniable evidence of the Lord's approval of what we are and do. When profits in our business soar, we say, The Lord is really blessing me. It would probably be more accurate to look upon these profits as a test. The Lord is waiting to see what we will do with them. Will we spend them on self-indulgence, or will we act as faithful stewards, using them to send the good news to the uttermost parts of the earth? Will we hoard them in an effort to amass a fortune? Or will we invest them for Christ and his cause? He said, F.B. Mayer said this, If it should be debated as to whether sunshine or storm, success or trial were the severer test for character, the shrewdest observers of human nature would probably answer that nothing so clearly shows the real stuff of which we are made as prosperity. Because this, of all tests, is the severest. It's true. When I am going through difficulty, when I am struggling, he's got my attention. (laughs) He's got my attention. In fact, most of the time I'm just like, Lord, please help. Please help. Please help. I'm in a mess. I've messed up and I'm I'm, I'm out of money and I I don't know where it's going to come from, Lord. My my faith or my, my physical, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me. And boy, he doesn't have to do much to get my attention. And I'm sure it's probably true for most of us. But boy, give us a nice fat bank account and a healthy body and a brand new car. Ooh. And a nice place to visit on the shore. All of a sudden, gravy. <laughs> gravy train. And now we are just kicking back. Not even thinking about the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, it says this. This is a scary verse. It says, Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. It's true, the eyes of man is never satisfied. Even the most wealthy men of this planet, it's not good enough that you're worth $500 billion. It's not good enough because you're only third on the list. There's a guy over in China who's number one. And now it becomes a a, a thing where you're not really satisfied. And you know what? There is no satisfaction. When you get real high on the top like that, and you can really have whatever you want, you realize that most things can be bought. The real important things cannot be bought, but most things can be bought. People can be bought. Politicians can be bought. You can do, but is that real happiness? No, it's not, because in your heart you know that if it wasn't for the money, they would be walking away from you. But now you've got to convince them and pay them to do what you want. There's no happiness in that. What, 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 how, how awful that is to live a life like that. That's why it has to be a choice. 
But this is unfortunately what happens to the vast majority of people when they encounter ease and wealth, when they get comfortable. And that's why Thanksgiving is so important. Thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for everything and everything. Anything and everything, give thanks to God. That's why the Psalms are filled with give thanks. In fact, turn with me to Psalm 136. We're going to have a little antiphonal reading tonight. (laughs) You're thinking, what is antiphonal? Well, that's a musical term. And what it means is I'm going to say something and you're going to respond back against me, antiphonal. You're going to sound back, okay? So Psalm 136, let's turn there. And this is, we're going to have a little choir practice here because this is how it's going to work. Your part is really easy. All I want you to do is to say, for his mercy endures forever. Say it. For his mercy endures forever. I'm going to start on every verse, and I'm going to say a phrase, and you're going to say together, for his mercy endures forever. Ready? Here we go. Verse 1, Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. To him who made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him who struck Egypt in in their firstborn. And brought out Israel from among them. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. (laughs) To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And slew famous kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og of Bashan. And gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servant. Who remembered us in our lowly state. And rescued us from our enemies. Who gives food to all flesh. And let's read this together. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Right? Isn't that? Oh, give thanks for all these things that he has done. See, it's good to give thanks unto the Lord. It's, 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 praise is comely, the Bible says. It's beautiful. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than to see a person who's really praising God for his goodness and for what he's done. You know, there's a lot of sourpusses in the world. A lot of people walking around and just negative. Negative. Everything they say is negative. Not a single thing is there good that comes out of their mouth. Oh, this, oh, that, oh. And just like, man, you're a load to be around. But isn't it great to be around the family of God when we're walking in the Spirit? When our life is filled and we're, we know who we are in Christ? We know that we're sinners. We know that we're fail, we, we fail. But you know what? We have this wonderful, great heritage ahead of us, 
even though things look dark and they look dim and things don't seem to be going right, guess what? It's just a blip on the screen, folks. Do you realize that? It's a vapor. Everything that's happening right now is going to be a vapor. Before long, we're going to forget it. And before long, when we're in glory with him, we're not even going to remember these times. It's going to be like a, a bad dream that we've forgotten long ago. And ahead of us is glory and being his presence. How great is that? That's something to get excited about. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been... Truth in Christ.